Hola, bienvenidos. Welcome to the Learn Spanish Con Salsa podcast. I'm your host, Tamara Marie. Before we get started with this episode, I have a quick question for you. What are you doing to improve your Spanish this summer? Summer is a time for vacations, for getting away, and you might even be planning on visiting a Spanish-speaking country. So it is the perfect time to improve your conversational skills because let's face it, if you've been learning Spanish for any length of time and you haven't been having regular conversations, you are going to fall behind. So this summer, we are not gonna let you do that. Here at Spanish Con Salsa, we are offering a summer boot camp. This is an eight-week boot camp that will focus on Caribbean Spanish and also Spanish grammar. So we're gonna be looking specifically at the past tense. A lot of people get confused between el imperfecto, el preterito, when do I use which one? And we're also gonna be exploring the Caribbean with Puerto Rican Spanish, Cuban Spanish, and Dominican Spanish. So you will have an opportunity opportunity to improve your Spanish and you'll also be able to attend regular conversation practice sessions facilitated by a native speaker all as a part of our Spanish fluency club this summer so if you are interested go to spanishconsalsa.com slash summer that's spanishconsalsa.com slash summer Registration is open now through Sunday. We have limited spots available. So if you're interested, I encourage you to press pause now before you listen to this episode. Scroll down to the description and click on the link or just go to SpanishConSalsa.com slash summer. Hope to see you in the boot camp. Now let's get started with this week's episode. Bienvenidos. Welcome to the Learn Spanish Con Salsa podcast, the show for Spanish learners that love music, travel, and culture. Close your grammar textbooks, shut down the language apps, and open your ears to how Spanish is spoken in the real world. Let us show you how to go from beginner to bilingual. Here is your host, certified language coach, Tamara Marie. Hola, oyentes. Bienvenidos al episodio 68. Welcome to episode 68 of the Learn Spanish Con Salsa podcast. In this episode, I talk to Jim and Mai, the co-creators of Spanish and Go. You may know Jim and Mai from their YouTube channel, which has over 92,000 subscribers. Spanish and Go helps travelers navigate the Spanish-speaking world with practical how-to videos like how to order food in Spanish and culture-focused travel videos exploring celebrations like Mexico's Day of the Dead. In our conversation, we talk about how they met, why they decided to relocate to Puerto Rico, and how they've adjusted to life on the island and the uniquely Caribbean culture in Puerto Rico. They also share an exciting new project they're working on, so make sure you stick around until the end to find out all about it. Now, before I get to our conversation, I want to share another listener review from iTunes. This five-star review was sent in by Monica. Monica says, simple and effective. Episodes 62 and 52 were the first ones I listened to of this podcast. Highly recommend checking those out. I like the variety of lengths in the podcast episodes, and I love that some episodes are in both English and Spanish. Thank you so much, Monica, for that review. And in case you're wondering, episode 52 is one of our bilingual episodes that was a part of our goal setting series. And this episode was about how to establish effective goals. And this was actually part five of our series. Monica also referenced episode 62, and this was a Q&A. 
answering the question, what should I do when I feel stuck with my Spanish progress? So those are two episodes that Monica recommends. I definitely uh, suggest you check those out as well after you listen to this episode. Now let's get to our conversation with Jim and Mai from Spanish and Go. Hola, Jim y Mai. Bienvenidos. Welcome to the Learn Spanish con Salsa podcast. Hola. Thanks for having us. So I wanted to ask you guys just a little bit about yourselves. Like what made you start Spanish and Go? And uh, really what was your motivation to really start this whole YouTube channel and to really expose people to Spanish through culture and travel? Well, I'm from Colima, a small state on the Pacific coast of Mexico. I went to school for foreign language education. And when I graduated, I moved to a different state and I was looking for for a way to keep up with with my English. I knew that I wasn't going to be taking my my English lessons. I knew that I wasn't going to be speaking English as often. So I was looking for a platform that would help me keep learning and practicing my English and that's when I met Jim. Yeah, and meanwhile, I was tired of being a monolingual gringo <laughs> and uh so i was starting to pick up spanish and a co-worker of mine uh talked about the, this website where my and i met on italki.com well we were starting to chat back and forth for i don't know months i think maybe four or five months went by before we decided oh we should meet up and my invited me down to mexico to visit for the first time and i had never been to Mexico ever and this was my first time traveling internationally alone I think and all my friends and family thought I was crazy but I was really excited for the new experience to go and practice my Spanish to meet my and we just really hit it off we got to travel around Mexico a little bit my was showing me different parts of the country and uh, I was learning a ton about the culture in Mexico and I just really lo loved the language and the experience and quickly fell in love with her and we decided why don't we combine our passions because her being a, a Spanish teacher a language teacher and me being an audio video guy I actually used to own a recording studio in my hometown uh, we decided how about we you know combine our forces and try to inspire people to travel and learn languages through at first our, our first idea was a podcast and later ended up being a YouTube channel Wow, that's very cool. So I love connection made through italki. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Hashtag not that's... sponsored. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, I know I've had uh, on a previous episode, I had the founder of Tandem, which is just a like, language exchange app. And I know the founder of Tandem said he's been invited to so many weddings because through language exchanges, people meet through the apps, right? And they <laughs> end up sort of connecting like you did. So that's a pretty cool story. You guys met, you kind of hit it off. So Jim, you were exploring Mexico. You were really getting into the culture. You guys were getting to know each other better. And so what was sort of your idea when you first started Spanish and Go? Was it to teach people more about the, the culture and different places they could visit and travel to? Like what was your, your sort of mission when you got started? And then um, how has that changed now? So you've been doing it for a few years now. So how has that sort of evolved over time? Yeah. So when we started, we 
just quickly realized how rewarding it was to travel and explore Mexico at the time, but then Mai was coming up and visiting me in my home state of Minnesota, and her getting to see my culture, me getting to see her culture, practicing each other's native languages was just so rewarding. And it was incredible to us that most people don't have a passport. About 42% of citizens in the U.S. have a passport, and only 15 to 20% of the population is bilingual. So we thought by combining these two life-changing experiences, we could really help other people uh, open a lot of doors in their own lives and and make for um, more exciting, more rewarding lives by encouraging people to go out and experience what we were experiencing. And um, one thing I like to say a lot is that you know language is a part of culture, right? Language does not exist in a vacuum, and there's so many people that you know, teach or approach teaching Spanish from a very academic perspective, which mm-hmm. I, mean, I think is great. Like you need to know grammar, you know, you have to learn imperfecto and all of those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. However, if you don't know the people and you're not connected to the culture, you're really not going to understand the language because you miss so much um, in the meaning of things if you really don't um, have that cultural immersion component. So I love that you said that. I mean, it makes me wonder. So I always, I was like to ask this question. I've had a couple of couples on the podcast before. And so you mentioned sort of my, you moving out to the U.S. and um, and Jim, you had some experiences as well visiting Mexico. So I'm wondering if there's any um, sort of funny stories about any maybe misunderstandings or whether it was with language or with culture that you all had in the process of you getting to know each other and meeting each other's like friends and family in, in different places. Yes. <laughs> oh yeah, we both have a few different stories. I think when Mai was living with me in the U.S. right around the time she first got there. She started helping out my my uncle and my aunt. My aunt was terminally ill and she needed help around the house. My uncle toured uh, the country with different um, signed bands. So Mai was around to, to help out and we thought, well, why not just help out my aunt while my uncle's on the road? My aunt had like 11 cats at the time and two dogs and Mai was taking care of them. Well, before Mai was gonna leave one day, my my aunt was bedridden, and so... She had to go to the doctor. Yeah, she had to go to the doctor. Mai had to leave the house for a while, and they said, oh, well, that's fine, but just make sure that you let the dogs out. And so Mai let the dogs out, and she left the house. Yeah, uh, your your aunt's uh, mom was driving by the house, or maybe she had to um, stop over at the house and pick something for your aunt. I don't know. I don't remember how, but she called your uncle or Jim's uncle because she was like, why are the dogs outside? <laughs> because, you know, like he said, let the dogs out. And for me, that was like, okay, leave them outside. Right? <laughs> like in Spanish, I don't know. In English, I think, or when you're talking about pets, you mean like, let them go outside and then have them come back in the house. Right, but for me, it was right? like, let them outside. And so I let them outside and left. <laughs> <laughs> and it was hot. It was a hot summer day in <laughs> Rochester, Minnesota. She was oh, just wow. doing what they told her to do. But She's followed directions. <laughs> you can't argue yeah. with that, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it was embarrassing, but I learned. <laughs> That's always how we learn. I think our embarrassing moments are the ones that we never forget. Now you always mm-hmm. are going to know what that phrase means, right? Let exactly. Yes. Bring them back. 
And, and what about you, Jim? I'm curious because you mentioned sort of, you know, taking that trip to Mexico, like your first time abroad and really just sort of, you know, going on your own. And I wonder how that was for you and if you ran into any issues in your first visit to Mexico. Oh, yeah. It sounds like Mai has a story to tell. The second time Jim was in Mexico, I had moved to Quintana Roo. I was living in Playa del Carmen, and I was working at a hotel there. So I was spending most of my time at work, and Jim was spending a lot of his time at home. So every day he would take a walk to the beach, and so he often saw a group of guys, and they would always, like call him like, hey, gringo, trying to get his attention for him to stop by and buy something from them. And he would always be just like, ah, no, thank you, bye. But then one day he told me like, oh, you know, every time that I go to the beach, I walk by this group of guys and I would like to, you know, like make friends and start a conversation. What should I say that sounds very, like very Mexican, but also like a slang? How can I say like, what's up guys or something? And the, the first thing that came to my mind was like, que onda vatos? And so he was like, oh, okay, yeah, que onda vatos? You know, like, hey, what's up, dudes, or something like that. And so he was like practicing, you know, next day he went on his walk and he saw the guys there and he was practicing, okay, que onda vatos, que onda vatos, until it was his his time to shine. Yeah. <laughs> and instead of saying que onda vatos, he said, que onda botas? And everybody was like, <laughs> what? <laughs> Me trying to be super cool, super casual, but it came out totally wrong. Another phrase you probably won't forget, right, Jim? Exactly. Exactly. So you guys have this mission of sort of helping people uh, really connect to the culture and the Spanish language. So what are some of the places that you that you guys have visited together? And what are some of your uh, favorite places to travel? So like if someone has a, a bucket list that they're making of places that they want to go to in the Spanish speaking world, like where would you suggest that they that they go? Sure. Well, hopefully we can give an even better answer in, in the future because our plan is to visit every Spanish speaking country and kind of compare the differences in culture and language. So far, we've visited much of Mexico. Uh, we've been around the island of Puerto Rico quite a bit because we live here. And we recently traveled to Guatemala. And so they're all beautiful and unique places in their own right. Um, but I would say my personal favorite, and I think I could speak for both of us, we're really fond of central Mexico, especially uh, the Guanajuato, Querétaro area. Uh, it's a, such a beautiful part of Mexico, so rich in biodiversity, and the climate is, is really comfortable. It's very livable. Uh, I think Guanajuato City is the most beautiful city I've, I've ever seen. We really enjoy spending time there. It's a UNESCO site, and there's just so much to learn about the history of Mexico in that area specifically. In Mexico so I highly recommend people check out that area and we we really enjoy Puerto Rico too I mean there's so much diversity here before moving here I didn't really well before visiting the first time I didn't really think much about you know mountains or, or rainforest in Puerto Rico all we really thought about was beaches and nice weather uh, but what I really enjoy about here is uh, the nature there's so much to do to get out Obviously, not right now because we're in quarantine, but <laughs> so much you can do 
when you're uh, on the island to go on hikes. There's so many different waterfalls. Uh, we've really gotten to know the types of Puerto Rican food that that we enjoy, like mofongo, like stuffed mofongo with That's with vegetables. Classic, yeah. yeah, we're huge fans. <laughs> so yeah, let me ask you a question then. So you know, since Maya, you're from Mexico, and um, Jim, you're from the U.S. So what made you all decide to move to Puerto Rico? I mean, I know it's one of my favorite places, so I would not argue with you. But I'm just curious, as well as your connection with the island, and what made you ultimately decide to settle there. Uh, the biggest reason why we decided to move here was because I, going through the immigration process, I have residency in the United States and I have to be in the U.S. for at least six months out of each year. And so every time when we were living in, in Minnesota, whenever we wanted to record something, it was always just like, snowy and dark at 4 p.m. because you know it's so <laughs> up north that beautiful that, midwest weather yes right? <laughs> yes so we never felt like like there was um like spanish and go was meant to be in minnesota um but you know i had to i have i still have to be in the united states so when we were looking at options, we thought about going to Miami or Texas, California, but some of those, you still, you still feel like you are in the U.S. when you're there. So the first time we visited Puerto Rico, we were like, wow, I was, I was really not expecting to feel like I was in Mexico. Puerto Rico is very similar to my home state to Colima. You know, we are on the Pacific. We have the beach there. The weather is practically the same. We have some mountains in Colima. So I don't know, it felt like home right right away. So after visiting Puerto Rico for the first time, we thought, hmm, this could be a, a, a livable place. Um, but it was during, we came here right before the um, Huracan Maria. So uh, wow. we had to wait yeah, for a little bit. And just a year ago, we finally moved here. Um, and we, we really like it. Yeah, we love it. So how have things been there since I know there was Hurricane Maria? And then I know that um, more recently there were some earthquakes and things as well in the south southern part of the island. So how has it been adjusting? Has the island fully recovered uh, from that? Or does it sort of depend on where you are? I think it sort of depends on where you are. I don't think it would be completely fair to say that the island is completely recovered because I know some much smaller towns are still dealing with like no electricity or or still having no roof <laughs> from it being torn off from the hurricane. And so I'd say for the most part, the island has recovered, but there are definitely spots that have not. The bigger cities like San Juan and Ponce, they seem like they're pretty much back to the way they were pre-hurricane. But since we moved here, we've really just come to learn a lot more about the history of Puerto Rico, and it just seems like disasters hitting the island is sort of the norm because not only have they faced all kinds of financial problems, but you know, hurricanes are obviously a thing. They're not always as big as Hurricane Maria, but there are, are also earthquakes, which not too many people were really thinking about because a major earthquake really only hits Puerto Rico about every hundred years. But the first part of this year, there have been dozens, if not hundreds of 
uh, if you count the, the tiny ones of tiny earthquakes. And uh, yeah, it wasn't long after we moved to the San Juan area that that happened, that we started um, experiencing the, the earthquakes. And we didn't feel it as bad here as what we would have felt uh, when we were living on the, on the west coast, closer to where the epicenter of the earthquake happened. But yeah, we've experienced that. We've experienced plenty of power outages. Um, it's, it's definitely a paradise in, in many ways here, but there are also uh, some things that generally we just don't have to deal with on, on the rest of the United States. I think the attitude of, of people there is like, yeah, I mean, it's part of living in paradise, right? It's sort of the trade-off. Sometimes you deal with that, but I think that people there are pretty resilient when those types of things happen. So. Absolutely. Right now, with coronavirus situation, when we when it when it all started happening, we were actually in Guatemala, and so we had to fly here, and it was all you know like a bunch of flights canceled, and it was all starting to get out of control. So we made it just in time here, and the next day we went to the store. Puerto Rico had already lines outside, where outside the stores were like super organized, only like ten people at a time same thing when when the uh, earthquakes were happening like they know they have their drills down they know like okay in case of emergency every store follows these measures and then people people know it's just like they're ready so my since you're from mexico and you said there's a lot of things about puerto rico that remind you of your hometown i'm curious because i know that mexican spanish and puerto rican spanish are very different so how have you had to sort of adjust or what are some things you've learned about puerto rican spanish that may be different from what you grew up speaking yeah yeah i think the language was the, one of the only differences that I noticed when we moved here or when we visited for the first time, even though I am a, a native speaker of Spanish, when I when we first came here, I was like, whoa, because they speak really fast, and I I had never. Well, I mean, I think I I knew one or two people from Puerto Rico in the states, and maybe their accent was not as strong because they had been living in the states for a while uh, but when i came here and just starting um, to listen to people here i was like this is a completely different language <laughs> and yeah like even uh when the internet started failing we had someone from the internet company um, stop at the house and he like the first thing he asked i was like what and i had to ask him like mm, can you say it again and then he said it like a little bit slower but i was like are you speaking spanish to me and you know like they're not that different like it's the same language it was just the way this guy was talking so fast it it was really confusing to me like how come <laughs> and so jim was taking a shower and i told him like before the guy showed up, I told him, like, you should take a shower right now because if he shows up, I'm pretty sure you're not going to understand him. Um, and then, yeah, like, surprise, I didn't understand him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. it's funny. I tell people that all the time when they say, you know, when someone's learning Spanish, and they go, oh, well, Spanish is just Spanish, right? Like, people mm -hmm. say, it doesn't really matter. It's pretty much the same language mm -hmm. wherever you go. And I go, I've traveled quite a bit, and, like, every time I go somewhere, there is definitely a difference, especially with 
um, not only the accent, but I think the vocabulary because yes. it's not just sort of the way, right? So mm-hmm. like Puerto Ricans are known for like speaking fast and also cutting off certain letters, mm-hmm. right? So there's a lot of um, like music I listen to, like a lot of salsa, mm-hmm. where I'm just used to hearing it that way because that's that's kind of how I know Spanish. Right. But for someone who isn't familiar with it and they go learn Spanish in a school or they take a course and then they go to San Juan like you all are mm-hmm. and then they get off the plane and they're like why can't I understand anybody right it's because they're not used to that accent and that language so are there are there any particular words that have surprised you because I know there's some words I learned in Puerto Rico that when I went to other places people would look at me funny because I would, I would go well what you don't know what paracha is they're like no it's maracuja like passion fruit like things like that so are there any any words that you've learned or like any Puerto Rican uh, slang or anything that you've learned since you've been there on the island yeah uh, I've learned so much since we moved here but I've got two that stick out just right away Jugo de China, instead ah, of yeah, jugo de China. <laughs> instead of jugo de naranja. Like, uh-huh. We, I was so confused. I'm like, what is jugo de China? What does that mean? And then when we learned it was orange juice, I was like, how does that even make sense? Like, how did they <laughs> come up with China instead of naranja? It's like, um, like chino already has uh, a couple of meanings as it is. So you you add uh, orange to it, and it just is even more confusing. So I thought that was really strange and another one maybe wouldn't surprise um, maybe Spanish speakers from Spain or some other countries but the use of coger here you just don't hear that in Mexico like Mexicans avoid that word completely unless they want to say something very explicit so that really threw me off the first time we came here to hear so many people say like every time you hear it you're like <laughs> like a teenager. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, because I have only learned that word to mean one thing. And in Mexico, you just don't say it unless, again, you want to be very explicit. Um, and it's certainly not something you would say uh, in a formal situation by any means. You would say recoger, not coger. So those two things threw me off. But I could go on and on probably for hours about the... The differences. Pichea is another that that threw me off. I think it threw my off too. There's just, it's not always just the new slang. Sometimes it's surprising to hear English with a Spanish accent in the middle of a sentence really fast. It can just. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Literally just in one sentence, there'll be English in the middle, and you're like, wait, what language are you speaking? Are you speaking? So I think in that way, Puerto Rico is a truly bilingual place because in within one sentence, like you hear English and Spanish and they're all kind of thrown together super fast. And if you're not from there, it can be really jarring when you're like, wait, what, wait, what's happening right now? <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. We've, we've spent a lot of time reflecting on how code switching is such a big part of the culture here. Usually the concept of code switching is interesting because people who are really good at code switching often are people who have trained themselves to be really good at it, like uh, translators who translate on the fly. It's a difficult thing for most people to do because we usually spend so much time studying one language or speaking one language and then we switch over to another. And even now, like Maya and I always speak Spanish at home, but when 
we do a podcast interview or we're going to do a live video or, or a video for YouTube, I feel like I have to get in the English zone again. But that's just not the case in Puerto Rico. Puerto Ricans have that ingrained into them so much where code switching is not a problem at all. It's just part of who so many people are here. And I have to say, it's also, it's not everyone in Puerto Rico. It's mostly the, like the younger um, generations now because most of the uh, adults here only speak Spanish and they might know some words that they have from English that they have adopted, like parking, like parking. They never say estacionamiento. They always say like, I see, dale pa allá, que pa allá está el parking. It's mm -hmm. like English yeah, and Spanish. Too. Parking okay. is just like in English always. So, and also yeah. with the L, right? Because they speak with the L. So yes. the R becomes uh -huh. an L, which I find so difficult yes. to say. So it's not yes. even parking, it's palking. Palking, yeah. amol, calne. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. So I have a question because I'm wondering, because I've had some different experiences um, in Puerto Rico, knowing some friends on the island and, and sort of visiting there in more of the tourist areas like in San Juan. And I've noticed that people, like you mentioned code switching, right, Jim? So people tend to profile you, right, when they see you. So I'm wondering, the two of you together, like when you go out, like if you go out to eat somewhere um, when you're not in quarantine, um, <laughs> do people, when they approach you, do they speak to you in English or in Spanish? Oh, yeah, it's English almost every time. So they see the color of my skin, and I assume that's their cue to say, oh, this guy only speaks English. And again, you know, like with... Spanish and Go, we kind of want to uh, do our part to get rid of that stereotype because it's true. Most English speakers only speak English. It's a sad reality, whereas in so many different cultures and other countries, people often speak two, three, four different languages. So I understand why they see somebody who looks like they might speak English and just go straight to English. But as a Spanish learner, uh, to me, Uh, it's it's been really frustrating. I I can't say that I'm totally over it now. I understand better why people seem to insist on English here, even though I know their first language is Spanish. But as a Spanish learner, it's it's sort of frustrating. It's like, come on, I, I want to practice Spanish. I'm in essentially a Spanish-speaking country. I know it's not a separate country, but it, it certainly feels like it and it has its own culture and I want to respect that. And I feel like that's part of being a responsible and respectful traveler is to you know, at least try to speak the local language if you're just starting out. But I feel like to me, it's a, it's a sign of respect to speak Spanish here. And it seems like I'm making other people go out of the way to speak English to me. So I always just respond in, in Spanish. Um, and then oftentimes they'll just keep going on with the conversation in English. And I just think that's such a curious thing about uh, Puerto Rico, because in Mexico, that's usually not the case. And it's probably mostly because most of in most of Mexico, people just speak Spanish. So there's not really the option to say, oh, I'm going to speak to this gringo in English unless you're in like a, a touristy area like Puerto right. Vallarta or Playa del Carmen. Maya, I wonder, have you had that experience if you go out by yourself? Do people um, tend to speak to in Spanish if they don't see Jim with you? Or is it you experience the same thing? 
No, for me, it's always Spanish. I look Puerto Rican enough <laughs> uh, with my brown skin and black hair. Uh, but yeah, like at first, like whenever we would go to, let's say, the post office and if Jim was asking uh, for help and uh, he was the one um, speaking to the person on the counter, they would sometimes, instead of answer to him like looking at him they would answer like in Spanish but they would look at me even if I was like if I hadn't said a word they were like not looking at him and he would get really mad and I I never noticed like I you know that never crossed my mind until I started paying more attention you know like when we uh, sometimes go to a restaurant and if they notice that he's a gringo and oh they probably Think that he doesn't speak any Spanish, so they like they address me directly, even if he has a question in in Spanish, and it's a little bit weird and and yeah, confusing. That is very interesting. So I mean, I've had similar experiences, and it depends on sort of um, who I'm with as well. And also for me, it's it's really interesting and curious because. I'm very brown, <laughs> mm -hmm. but my my hair I think um, is more associated with like like Jamaican culture because I have locks, mm -hmm. right? And they're they're really mm -hmm. small locks, they kind of like braids. So when people see me, they don't really know what to make of me. But if I'm outside of San Juan, like if I go to Luquillo, which is my favorite beach, if you guys have mm -hmm. not been there, you have to go yeah. when you're out of quarantine. Yeah, I love Luquillo, and um, there's more brown people sort of in that neighborhood. So when I was in Luquillo, I went to the beach, people were playing reggaeton, they're like, hey, hola, como estas? Like, people are just more chill. But like when I'm in San Juan, the same thing happened to me every single time. But I think it's interesting just for other, for Spanish learners to kind of take away from, from that. And the reason I ask that is because people are always curious about like, well, what do I do if someone speaks to me in English? And I think what you said, Gem, is perfect. Like, you just keep speaking Spanish, right? Because even if they are insistent about speaking to you in English, depending on you know who you're talking to and how long the interaction is if you persist with speaking spanish then one they're still understanding you right like so if you're even if they're responding in english if you're talking in spanish you're still getting in practice even though it's frustrating but if you persist sometimes they will gradually kind of give in and go okay i'll talk to the gringo in, in, in spanish right? right um so that's a good lesson to kind of try to um to just to be persistent with it and also just to kind of realize that even a native Spanish speaker, right, still runs into some of these problems because Maya, you said there's things that you didn't understand. So I think for, for someone out there who's thinking, oh my gosh, like, I don't know if I should travel or, or what if I have one of these experiences, what should I do? I think just realizing that one, it's it's normal, right? It's natural, it happens to everybody. Uh, and two, like shifting your mindset around it to realize that native Spanish speakers also struggle with these cross-cultural communication issues. So it's not something to say, oh, my Spanish is bad or just give up, right? Like it's something to kind of push through and keep trying. So thank you guys for sharing that. I want to kind of switch gears now and just talk a little bit about uh, Spanish and Go and some of the immersion trips that you do. I know you have um, a new podcast coming out as well. So if you want to share a little bit about some of what you do in your immersion trips and uh, let folks know where they can listen to your podcast. Yeah, absolutely. The immersion trips were something that we always wanted to do. And part of our motto is travel, learn, connect. And we always thought we we're doing a good job encouraging people to travel and learn Spanish and giving them all of these reasons why they should do so. But we were kind of missing the connect part of, of our motto. And we thought, well, you know, we have to get 
something going to help connect people with the with um, different Spanish-speaking countries. So we we thought of the idea of running Spanish immersion retreats where we could bring a group with us to Mexico and get them to immerse themselves in the country and the culture and the language. They would have native Spanish speakers there helping teach them as well as show them around to the best places of all the different areas that we would take them. We host in Guadalajara, Mexico, Guanajuato, and Mexico City. And right now our retreats are up to 10 people at a time. We try to keep it small and we divide the groups into different levels. So we have a, a main group in the morning. Most of our classes are, are in the morning um, where the group gets to practice together and then we split the group up into uh, different levels where they can practice at a level that's more appropriate for them and really zone in on what they need to practice. And then we follow up everything they learn from the class out in the real world. So if we're talking about ordering food, we get to go out and they get to practice firsthand with native Spanish speakers how to do that uh, with us there the whole time to help guide them. And then, of course, immerse them in the culture by talking about the history of the places that we're visiting and, and showing them around to some of the most important places in Mexico. And so where can folks find out more information about your next retreats uh, once we are all hopefully back to normal <laughs> and the world returns to uh, a travel culture again? Um, where can folks find out more information uh, if they're interested in joining one of your retreats in the future? Oh, sure. Yeah, they can just go to SpanishAndGo.com and right up at the top there, it says Immersion Retreats. And there you can read about the retreats in general or go straight to a city if you happen to be interested specifically in, say, Guanajuato. You can see the itinerary we have for uh, each city on the website. And I definitely encourage folks to go. I, I definitely think, too, if you're you know, somewhat of a beginner or you haven't traveled abroad before, uh, doing a group immersion trip like this is great um, because you're not sort of just going to like an all-inclusive resort, right, where you kind of everyone speaks English and you don't really get to connect with the culture. So I think a, a group trip like this is, is an awesome opportunity if you haven't traveled before or you just want to connect with other people. I think going with a small group like that is a great way to not only sort of adventure out um, a, a little bit independently, but also to feel like you have that support of having other folks um, with you so you're not too much on your own. So definitely check that out, SpanishAndGo.com. And where can folks find your new podcast that's launching soon? Yeah, everywhere podcasts are available. It's the Learn Spanish and Go podcast, and that should be premiering April 21st. Perfect. Thank you guys so much, Jim and Mai, for taking the time to join me. And one quick question before I let you all go. Because this is the Learn Spanish Con Salsa podcast, I always have to add some new songs to our playlist. So, um, Jim and Mai, if you could share um, your favorite uh, Spanish language songs, that would be awesome. Juan Sebastian. It's the name of the singer. Um, the name of the song is uh, Me Gustas. What genre is that? Ah, it's kind of like norteño, but it's it's not really norteño. It's kind of like banda, but it's more romantic. Okay. Yeah. Ah, uh, okay, okay, very cool. And what about you, Jim? For me, it would be practically any song off of the self-titled Gypsy Kings album. The most famous song on that record is is Bambaleo. 
Very cool. Thank you all for sharing. Make sure um, we get those to add to our playlist. So if anyone wants to check out your favorite songs, they can listen to that as well. Okay. Uh, thank you guys for so much for joining me on the Learn Spanish Con Salsa podcast. And I hope that you all will get to get out and enjoy the beautiful island of Puerto Rico again very soon. Thanks for having us. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed the conversation with Jim and Mai and you're inspired by their story. You never know, your next language exchange partner just might become your life partner too. And if you want to join them on an upcoming immersion trip, make sure you check out SpanishAndGo.com and use the code CONSALSA10 for 10% off any of their future trips. That's C-O-N-S-A-L-S-A-1-0 for 10% off any future immersion trips at SpanishAndGo.com. That's it for this episode. And as always, I hope something you heard today has taken you one step closer from Spanish beginner to bilingual. Hasta la próxima. Thank you for listening to the Learn Spanish Con Salsa podcast at LearnSpanishConSalsa.com. 